it's a huge honor for me to have Gurpreet Kaur from Intuitive Knowledge on today's podcast. Um, she's somebody I've known for a number of years, and I'm really excited to to share her with you. <laughs> uh, if you don't know her already, you can look on uh, Instagram and follow her. All the details will be in the description box below. But before we go any further, please like, subscribe, comment, help this video, help this message get out to as many people as possible. So welcome, Benji. How are you? So I wanted to start with kind of when you came to clinic, that was that was some time ago, right? When you came from Ireland to London and, and then you popped into the clinic. How many years ago was that? Okay, so that was... And- I've got a fairly decent recollection of that time because I was actually just coming out of the drug withdrawal and the nervous breakdown and I was only just beginning to kind of connect the dots of what was what was happening with me and we'll talk about that I guess but um, that was around 2017 I want to say that we chatted, we met for the first time. What's the journey been like over the last seven years? Yeah, well, it's actually... So... <clears throat> Where do I begin? Okay, so right now it looks so easy to see me on this side as someone who's, you know, I I do a lot of spiritual life coaching and I'm I'm still figuring out my way in the world. Um, and I'm now on podcasts and I've done interviews elsewhere, but this isn't where I began because if I take you back to 2015 I just spoken to my doctor and said I can't do this life thing much longer and his answer to me was well let's change your pills and so I was like no because by this time I'd had I'd been on antidepressants for 15 years I was on anti-anxiety meds I'd had multiple miscarriages I'd had a hysterectomy at the age of 31 and I was aged 34 and I was just like, I don't want more pills because I was then self-medicating and I was actually taking a shot of vodka at night with my antidepressants or with my anti-anxiety meds. And so I was, I knew I was going down a slippery slope and I decided to go to America because I, I thought, was well, I'll just go on holiday. Um, and I thought that that was a rational thing to do and I came, I, it was while I was out there and I was having a, a lovely time but I realised that I was still really sad, I was still really depressed and I realised depression wasn't going to go on holiday just because I had. And so I came back and I was just so sad and I was ready to end my life and I'd written my husband a letter and I left it in my desk drawer and I because I live in Northern Ireland now but my family live in England and so I flew home for what I thought was going to be my final time going home saying goodbye to my family and all that I knew what was going on within me but nobody else did and it was my brother that came to pick me up from the airport and he just said and I just looked at him and I said I can't do this life thing much longer and you know you'd expect like a an arm around the shoulder and he just looked at me and went what the f are you talking about can't do this life thing much longer when was the last time you said thank you when was the last time you looked at your life through the lens of gratitude and he started to talk to me about universal principles about Sikhi about Gunanak scriptures 
and Gnanak's words and metaphysical science and growth mentality and all of this. And suddenly it was like the illusion had shifted and I could see in color. And so after two weeks of meditation and gratitude, I gave up the pills. I gave up antidepressants all in one go. I gave them up. Antidepressants, anti-anxiety meds, pain meds, so many different medications. And it was against medical advice because what he want he wanted me to wean myself off of them, but I'm an all or nothing kind of girl, and I was just like I I need them done. I I saw in hindsight why he was saying let's wean you off because I actually went through a drug withdrawal, a, a pharmaceutical drug withdrawal, and a nervous breakdown as well as a spiritual awakening all at the same time. But what I had decided in that time was that. I was going to focus on this newfound, like this, I, ha I just had this bowl of information and all I wanted to do was keep filling that bowl with this new, new understanding just to wipe out all this idea that I had that, that, that I was alone in feeling like this and actually so many of us feel like this. And so here I am six years later it's just I've just hit six years and my life is so very different but I'm still growing and I'm still learning and I want people to understand that no matter where you are in life you have the option right now to change your life to change the way you're thinking and so yeah that was my journey and I came to see you then when I started to figure out how how badly I treated my body when you came to see me Mm -hmm. I, I would have counted you as a spiritual person. The conversations we were having, the way you were, the way you were talking, I would have never known that there was there was anything wrong. I know you were experiencing chronic pain at the time, but um, you know what stage? You said you were in the beginning stages of the journey. Then is that once you once you'd kind of started to, to turn a corner and stop the meds? Yeah. So I didn't realize. I didn't realize um, that I was actually having a drug withdrawal or even a nervous breakdown until I want to say, well, I realized I was having some sort of withdrawal around six weeks in when I, I actually had a conversation with my husband and said, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this. And I think I should just go, do you think I should go back on the pills if like if it's this hard for me already and I know what's exploding out of me do you think I should go back on the pills and thank God for him because he was like no we've come this far but I I I kind of decided that I was going to educate myself through it and learn my way through it so I'm not really sure when I stopped fully having the nervous breakdown or the awareness of it. I think it was about a year and a half in that I realized what I'd come through. But when I came to see you, I'd actually just finished doing my NLP practitioner course. So I was only a few months after that and I'd done so much personal development work that I realized, oh, holy good God, I've actually come through something really big. I thought everybody felt like I did once the illusion shifted, just the same way I thought everybody felt like I did when I felt 
at the worst. I thought, not even that. I, I, I was wondering how, how can, how can it be possible that other people do not feel as miserable as I did back then? And so when I came onto this side of it, I was like, how can other people not feel like this? And it was only then I started to realize that actually consciousness and spirituality and all of this is a thing. And that's when I started to put even things together in my own journey and serving and all of those things. So in terms of 15 years going through that, just to give other people hope, like your story gives people hope in itself, but like the how do you after 15 years i'm thinking about neuroscience which i know you know um all about and habit change and you know neurons that are wired together and fired that fire together wired together mm -hmm. after all of that kind of processing that's been happening and repeating and and kind of um formalizing and consolidating over 15 years to to make that change that's that sounds extraordinary that sounds superhuman um, so what, what do you think gave you the strength to do that? The strength was that the alternative was ending my life. The alternative was living that life that I'd lived for 15 years. And I, you know, Rumi said, Rumi said, the wound is the place where the light enters. See, once you had a glimpse of that light where the illusion shifted and this idea that I was my thoughts versus the thinker of my thoughts versus being created to something bigger. The moment I saw that, that was heavy enough and weighty enough for me to choose this that I'd glimpsed once versus something I'd carried with me for 15 years. And honestly, you are so right to carry and the burden of what I'd done and how I'd wired my and programmed my brain for over 15 years. That was what was exhausting. So when you said to me, we, how, when did you realize that you were coming through it? Bro, to be perfectly honest, I didn't realize how hard I'd worked until I was absolutely exhausted. And so, like I said, I'm still learning about myself. The journey just doesn't end. And I think that that was what I realized. I realized that I'm a part of nature and everything in nature grows. And so I'm being asked to grow here or I'm being asked to wither away here. Which am I choosing? And I just kept focusing on Kudrat, on nature and myself as a spiritual seed. Like if there's somebody who's really kind of deep in it, I know you offer assistance. Is there any other kind of, because it seems like such a, it seems like a mountain to climb. Um, maybe I'm just, my perception is wrong. Is there any resources or advice or people or uh, there's obviously coaching, which which I recommend everyone who's going through something like they should look into your website. It's brilliant, by the way. Um, Thank you. So in terms of what what, so I'm I'm thinking when I've been in a rut, nowhere near the same experience. I'm just trying to relate in in the narrow experience that I have. Sometimes it's been a, the change of environment or something's happened to shift me out of it. Whether it's a different sangat or you know going to a different place and, and being at a camp or something 
but just I'm just wondering if someone's in the depths of it, what you would advise in terms of um, helping them get to that point where they see a light coming through that wound, or they uh, sure. they think actually, you know what, now is the turning point, now is the time for change. I'm reading Tyson uh, Fury's autobiography at the moment. He he suffered from depression. He's fascinating. Yeah, he's he's a he's a very interesting man, and he said the turning point for him was um, he went to a Halloween party and he was wearing this Halloween costume as a skeleton, but he was 28 stone, so it was like skin tight. And he went to the pub and and people were talking about him. They were saying, "Oh, is that Tyson Fury?" And he was so embarrassed with himself in terms of how wow. bad he had yeah. gotten. Um, he he was on cocaine. He was you know drinking heavily. He was a, he was obese at that time that he went home and he just cried by his bedside. He, he had read some, I think it was another boxer who had just kind of given himself up to God and, and just prayed and he just prayed and he, you know, he said to his wife, don't worry, that's it, it's, it's a turning point now. But I'm just wondering like, what, like, you know, not everyone might be at that point now or, or what is it? Is it something, is it just different for each person, something that somebody says? An environment, or, or does it have to come from intrinsically from within? See, bro, I think it's a few things, and I think it, it's a mixture of everything. I think the, and we might, uh, I might ask you to repeat segments of your question, um, but here's the thing: we are a mind, body, soul connection, and when we have. When we don't have that in alignment and an awareness, then we feel disconnected because we're living disconnected. So the first thing is to recognize that you are mind, body and soul. It's important to understand that you are the thinker of your thoughts. You don't think, you, you are not your thoughts. You are not every thought that you think. And when you understand that and you start to see yourself as the person thinking your thoughts, you can actually link yourself and your thoughts to your feelings. And this goes quite deep in that we then understand our thoughts and our feelings. I mean, Guru Nanak said it best, like we will reap what we sow. And so... If we start to just shift perspective a little bit and understand that out there, which is known as the illusion, the drama within the dream, is actually 99.99999% empty space. And what you can see out there isn't real. It's just varying frequencies. It's understanding that we are energy. It's understanding that we are part of something bigger. So, I, digress. I could talk about this stuff. And this is what our first conversation was like. It was just like, Les, I want to tell you so much. So the idea that we are separate from source causes us discomfort. Because we think that life is this random thing happening to us. But when we step back, we can actually see that out there is the effect stage. The universal principles apply to us as humans. We have cause within us. We can create the cause through thought. And so we then understand that we're electromagnetic beings. We're very, very powerful. And I didn't know this overnight. 
I know this after six years of studying this. So I say this all to say that we just need to take one step. You take one step towards the light. That light will enter and everything will change. And what are those steps? There are so many amazing people online. People like Nicole LaPera, who has an amazing book called How to Do the Work. I think everybody should go get that book. One of my somatic coaches and polyvagal theory coaches, Sarah B. Coaching. Oh my God, Sarah Bolden, she's amazing. So there's so many different things that we can do. There's books and there's podcasts. There's people like Wayne Dyer who talk to you about the power of your attention and your intention. When you start to play with this, when you start to play with the idea that you're a part of something bigger, see, one of the biggest things that I will say is that we have been conditioned in the West to, when we have the thing, then we'll be happy. We've been conditioned to live from the outside in, that when that person changes, then we'll be happy. When we get that next upgrade, then we'll be happy. When we do the next thing and get the next pay rise, then we'll be happy. And we're constantly chasing. But if we just understood that we can feel good right now and out there will change accordingly. We don't have to wait. If we're waiting, we're constantly gonna be chasing because out there, anything external is temporary. Because if it wasn't temporary, you'd be happy with that upgrade and never need to upgrade again. If it wasn't temporary, you'd never need another pay rise or another anything ever again. So it's really important to begin to understand that this happiness, joy, peace, success, it's a journey, it's an ongoing inside job. It's not an external thing. I feel, I feel like there's more awareness of that now than there has been in the past. Um, I think, I feel like the practical part of that is, is difficult. Um, just from first-hand experience, you know, like there's so much of what you said is in, in line with Gurbani as well. There's 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 shabas like or If you kill your thoughts, you won't have to come back in in uh, in uh, into birth again. There's like these are all these 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 states of mind which produce thoughts are all part of Maya. So it's it all makes sense and um, it's all very, very lofty and I think very valuable and very important and everyone needs to learn this stuff. But I feel like the implementation is, is hard in the modern day society. We've got social media, you got all these kind of um, inputs coming at you saying this is what you should aspire towards. This is the kind of things that you need to have in your life. Um, it's kind of, um, it's kind of like, there's, there's that old Indian saying, of, you, you know, you have those two, um, there's two on your shoulder and, and a fox is a good one and a bad one and whichever one you feed, that's the one that grows and, you know, one is one is um, good and one is bad, one is sin and one is virtue. So so I feel like with, with all these external challenges, we're bombarded, I mean, in terms of media and marketing, you, you know, you go for a short drive and how many marketing messages are you exposed to if you watch some of, you know, some of the YouTube or... or any kind of social media platform, Netflix, it's, it's like this constant, this is what life should be like. 
and and the kind of life that you're speaking about is so against the mold and against kind of um, Western you know, yeah, idealism. It's it's um, it's uh, yeah. I think there's it's a it's, I think it's, it's I think it's challenging to implement, or maybe that's just me and my weakness. No, I don't think it is a weakness because here's the thing. Well, just to touch on the first or the last thing that you said there, the thing with and I I say this quite often. People aren't. We spend ninety five percent of our day plus in a hypnotic space in a habitual space where we're not doing any conscious thinking and you know what's happening in that time we're being programmed it's called programming for a reason the billboards the tv the news i don't watch any of that i don't i will not have it on in my house i haven't had sky for six years i don't want any of that junk in my home it's called conditioning and programming for a reason that's the first thing so understand it's called scripting for a reason you have an inner script going on and your inner script is being dictated by external sources so are you actually thinking or are you being told what to think and, and it's subtle as well it's not someone you know telling you this is how you should think necessarily it's you know it's images of someone you might respect or someone you might admire and it's it's the kind of habits that they have and even though this is all fake somehow it's subconsciously programming you um we're parentified by the tv we're parentified by governments we're parentified by anything external and we need to start parentifying ourselves that's why the journey inwards is so important because then going back to what you said earlier external sources aren't violating your senses our senses are perceiving and constantly perceiving and we're constantly looking to please our senses but if we understand that actually we can we can choose what we're listening to. Even music. Music is not what it was. This is why even Guru Nanak's scriptures and Bani are written to musical frequencies. Sikhi was way ahead of the time. That's the first thing I ever want to say about that. Way ahead of its time. Everything is so beautifully laid out. It's so simple. We make it so complicated. But everything is a frequency. It's funny you say that because I was listening to um, a Muslim preacher and he was talking about he was talking about the um, the, the relatives of the Prophet Muhammad and um, he was saying how you know you could have heard a song with, you know, in in primary school and you remember the song word for word right but but these things and I I, I thought I can remember probably the lyrics to you know, all the major Britney Spears songs and it's not like I've been trying to do that or it's something that I um, you know it's been a goal in life of mine but it's incredible how through the medium of music you, you can be programmed and, and this stuff can get inside you so deep that 20 years later you, you still you still know it you can still regurgitate it it's incredible and you see the power of repetition there that's the thing the power of repetition and it's 
so like you're spot on this stuff will just absorb it we're like sponges we'll just absorb this stuff and we don't know that that's what's happening our it's like we've shut off our cognitive faculties just so that we can have the ease of stuff coming into us versus do the work to try and find what it is within us something you said there was you know that initial step is hard and it's hard to do it is it really is challenging but the rewards on the other side of it are huge growth does not come from comfort when we repeat the same thing over and over and reach for the familiar we are in comfort and that is where dreams and life go to die so it's necessary to keep growing and every time we take that step and we grow we expand because our higher self is always looking to expand through us always and so we can sorry no i think i think it's a blessing that you you're at this point and the journey you've had is is truly inspirational and remarkable um, I, I'm thinking of myself in, in terms of when I've been uh, um, at, at worse at times and um, how sometimes your self-efficacy can, can be hit when you're, when you're trying to make a change and you keep failing and then you just kind of think, well, maybe I'm just a bad person or maybe I'm just not capable of, uh, of doing this thing. Um, so I think... Can you talk about self-efficacy and, and kind of like how you would, because some people may have had some attempts at making a change, but they just, they, they fail and then they think, well, maybe this is just it, maybe it, I can't change. So we are habitual creatures, we are creatures of habit. 95% plus of what we do every single day is habitual. The reason you find change hard is because the reptilian part of our brain, the oldest part of our brain, the least evolved part of our brain doesn't like change. It doesn't want to change because change is scary. Change is scary because back in the day when we needed to go hunt and find food, we needed to know our safe path back because we didn't want to be eaten by anything bigger than us. And so we have carried that with us. Now put on top of that intergenerational trauma, media conditioning and all of those things. And I just want to tell you that you are human. I am human. Please don't think that I have it together all the time. I also sometimes have to force myself to get out of bed at a certain hour. I also have to force myself to go sit and pray for a while. Let me tell you what I have to do. I'm just going to show you so you know what I have to do. Because I realized last week I was trying to force myself to create change. So I created a vision board with posters about consistency. And then I just wrote the same thing I did three or six years ago. What would happen if I showed up and worked out three times a week? What would happen if I worked on the business for three hours a day? What would happen if I prayed daily and meditated daily and studied daily and read daily? I read this to myself every single day. This is the power of repetition. And then I did this one thing. I got myself a sun timer 
And this is a great visual reminder. This is the future, this is the past, and this is the only moment that we have. This right here, the now moment. We are constantly stuck in the future or the past. If we just get present, take a moment, I call them mop. I, I say make time to mop, make time to get, have moments of presence where you come back to the now moment and you breathe and you remind yourself that you're here and that you can create from this space. Yeah, it's tough, but see when you first start to play with this and you start to see, just go outside, go hug a tree, go walk barefoot on the grass, get connected. Nature is the highest frequency available to us outside of Gurbani. Go do that, go get connected. No, if I could give you one piece of advice is that no one's coming for us, nobody. You have to come for you. You have to do this for you because what's the alternative and what happens if you don't? And I have to ask myself, what if I'm not consistent every day? What if I'm not? Well, do you know what will happen? I'll gain weight. I'll stop feeling this good. I gain, I stopped walking with my dog. I sent my husband out instead because I was trying to work on stuff and I was trying to heal and get therapy and all of those things. I stopped going for my 11 kilometer a day walks and I gained stone. I gained a stone and a half, I think. And so that was my inconsistency. So I have to go back to being consistent. Allow yourself to be human but don't allow yourself to justify one day becoming two days, becoming three days. Start where you are right now and keep on starting where you are right now. And I'm telling you, once you've had a taste of what control you have on you and the outcomes in your life, you'll just want to keep moving forward. It's just one step after another and you'll realize growth is an ongoing thing. And there is no such thing as failure, by the way. There is no such thing as failure. There are lessons to be learned. Success is just a series of failures that you've built upon. There are lessons to be had. And what is it about what you tried that isn't working for you? Well, for me, I wanted to get up at a certain hour. Let me give you an example. I wanted to get up at a certain hour and I realized I was still on my laptop till half eight at night outside of today, today's different. And that meant that I was getting still blue screen lighting and I wasn't getting to sleep on time. So what did I need to shift up? And it's allowing yourself to be human and make the changes that you require for where you are in your life. The thing is most of us are going through life with a programming that we developed in childhood before the age of nine. And we're wearing the same identity. You'd not still be wearing the same clothes you were when you were seven or nine. So why are you still wearing that identity and those beliefs about who you are? You can create who you are. Once you know. I, go on. Sorry, I really like what you said about the, um, the reptilian brain and how comfort around, like resistance to change. That makes a lot of sense. And so then you can understand why you feel resistant. Not there's something wrong with me. Like I, uh, like for this year, let me give you an example. This year, I've, and I was talking about this with my therapist just today, 
that I felt like I was stuck in freeze this year. Like I couldn't move forward. Like there was an actual physiological response that I couldn't move forward. And so I have, I've spent this whole year unpacking that. But because I knew I needed to unpack that, I, I actually still went and did the same thing, got meditated and all of those things and the universe guided me to where I needed to go. So much so I got scholarships to work with people. So my point is that even when you're being challenged, if you allow yourself to see that you're being supported, you will open up a portal that you didn't even know was there. So if you're being challenged, allow yourself to 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 handle the discomfort of asking the universe for help in that moment and watch what happens for you. That's the beginning part of faith. A lot of this is about developing faith, faith in something greater, faith in, in the unseen, because we're all about faith in the seen. Let's move beyond that. Absolutely. I, I think the last, well, more than a year has been, has been tough on a lot of people. Um, They've, they've kind of been outside of their comfort zone, potentially isolated, potentially experiencing loneliness or lack of connection because of isolation from, from um, you know, meaningful connections with friends and family. Um, so I know I, I've suffered from that. I've, I've really missed being able to train with my training friends and, and that was my outlet. And it's been, I found that kind of difficult. But I, um, I was reading something the other day by Zig Ziglar, this old uh, American guy who's, who's no longer with us, but he was saying how adversity can be either a prison or a uh, education. It can either be a school or it can be a prison. It's up to you what you want it to be, um, and then you can you can take from it or you can just let it let it crush you. So I think, unfortunately, during the coronavirus period, I let it crush me. But you you seem to have. Um, have these systems in place that you sound really disciplined and it sounds like you've really worked on yourself to a degree where you're, you're you know, stable to a point you're not so reliant on these external things so kudos to you thank you and here's the thing i've been disciplined to get to this point now i have to shift my disciplines again because i'm applying them to a business so the same disciplines and the same things that got me to this place, I have to upgrade again. And that's what I mean about growth. As we evolve, we evolve to the next level and then to the next level. And then whilst we've got breath in our lungs and a beat behind our heart, it's our job and our duty and our God-given birthright to evolve and grow. Um, so yes, I've been disciplined to get to this point. I, I'm telling you, like, I studied for, I was going to take out a book to show you, I studied for hours and hours a day. That is how I got through the breakdown. I wasn't listening to anything else. There was no crappy social media. There was none of that. There was just disconnecting from out there and just focusing in the direction that I wanted to go. That's all I cared about. I just kept focusing in, where, in the direction that I wanted to go. So yes, Yes, sometimes you'll slip off. Don't let one day become two days, become three days. Just get back on track and keep going and keep going and you'll get there. You'll get there. It's not about beating yourself up. It's about allowing yourself to be human. When, when you say it like that, it makes a lot of sense. And it, I, it, it, I can relate it to kind of weight loss and, and 
how do you deploy that? Because if you have everyone slips up during Christmas period, uh, I found historically, it's just normal. But it doesn't really make that much of a difference. It, it, it's like one, you know, one day out of 265. Um, so if you're consistent on generally consistent, you're you're gonna you're gonna progress and you're gonna do well, as as you mentioned. Um, we talked about we both think social media isn't isn't the most productive environment and it's not the most uh, helpful environment in terms of somebody's mental state and well-being. Um, I was talking to you while we were off air about how I went on uh, Instagram. I went to a coffee shop this morning, went to, on Instagram and I was reading about all of this controversial stuff and I just I had to uninstall it because I just, my mood and my mindset and just the clarity of my mind just, I just felt like everything just dissipate in an instant. Um, so you, you're running a business as, as am I. I want to get this podcast out to as many people as possible. How do you navigate? What advice do you have on navigating using these tools without them becoming toxic and without them um, going back to Tyson Fury's? Uh, he he was saying that he can't use social media because he's noticed it has too much of a negative impact on his mental health. So how do you kind of juggle those two? So a couple of things. I only go onto social media now for what I need to do. I will not spend any length of time. I don't care about going on to different posts and liking. I don't. That's not what I'm about. I just. I. I maybe in time that will change, but I don't. That's not what I'm about. I just want to go on, and if there's somebody that follows my page, I want them to be able to see uh, my latest message. So that's the first thing. Um, I said this a while ago and somebody had said it to me when I began my journey a few years ago and that is if you're going onto social media and you're not learning something new you're following the wrong people. There are so many people online who do extraordinary work whose voices get drowned out because of algorithms and because who runs those social media platforms because there's a trickle-down effect. It can't happen down here if it doesn't happen up here. It's designed up here like this and this is where conscious awareness comes in. So if you went to social media this morning, that was a conscious choice you made but you realised what it did to you and you were like, no, I don't want to do that. Think about the people that go on unconsciously who are there unconsciously absorbing this stuff and they're taking this stuff in and they think it's reality and it's like no this is a distraction so this goes back to the point you were talking about earlier which is the being isolated and all of those things heaven and hell are states of mind and so if we and we're like sponges and we absorb stuff if we are absorbing this not so nice energy, especially first thing in the morning, especially last thing at night. Well, we're not really helping ourselves, are we? The same way, if we go to bed worrying about issues, you're going to dream about your issues and you're going to wake up thinking about your issues. But what if you switch that? What if you asked earlier, where can somebody stop? How about you say that you're going to get up five minutes earlier tomorrow and you're going to meditate for five minutes. How about you say I'm going to meditate for five minutes before I go to bed or I'm going to visualize an amazing future for myself. What about if you tapped into the fact that we live in the imagination of God and God gave you an imagination. How about you play with that one for a sec? So there's so many different things that we can do 
social media is not the only place that you can go get your gratification. You can get your gratification and your dopamine hits in a different way. We've just become so used and conditioned to getting our dopamine hits from the ping on the phone, from notifications. I don't have notifications on my phone. I don't have, this is why I don't have social media on my phone. I just don't want it. I don't want it. And so you yeah. have done really well for, for kind of protecting your your space in terms of your mental space and your your you know the things that you, you you've done really well you've done really well. I, I think with myself it, it's probably it's probably going back to the habits and just this habitual thing of checking even though I have nothing to check. It's like you know, multiple times a day just going to see if I have a message. Whereas it, it makes no difference to that person if I reply once a day or it's just all in my head it's the brain seeking the familiar and it's brain seeking connection and it's looking for it in the external and it wants the immediate gratification because that's what we've been conditioned to do. But actual self-discipline is about understanding that it takes some time to get the thing. <laughs> Nature doesn't just, you don't just plant a seed today and get something tomorrow. You actually have to plant a seed, nurture it, water it, give it what it requires. It needs to go through through wind, it needs to go through all of that because even planes take off against resistance, it needs all of that to bury its roots and then it begins to grow. It doesn't happen overnight and so we need to stop, We, you know the things that we keep, we habitually reach for, it's, it's, it's time to look at that. Listen, I might not do social media, I've got a tea thing going on right now and so I have actually had to notice when do I reach for a cup of tea and it's when I don't want to do my work. So it's not that I don't get those urges, it's that, it's not that my brain is suddenly like God knows what and it just it does everything I want it to know. I have to prime it and tell it and so the night before I go to bed I tell it the sequence I'm going to be going through. There's my dog at the door. I have to tell it the sequence I want it to go through and when I when I wake up I have to remind myself of the sequence I want to go through and I'm actually in coaching groups where they where they're all about this because I do need that support I do need that none of us can do it alone but no one can do it for us either so it's just about yeah that <laughs> amazing it's been a really interesting conversation. I've really enjoyed this. Me too. Um, I wanted to talk about loneliness because I was I was looking up on some research and there's a famous experiment where they had they had two groups of rats. They gave one water, one cocaine, and the ones on cocaine would take it until they died. Um, and then they put they put a group of rats who were in they call it rat park. So they had they had loads of other rats to play with. They had loads of kind of things in the environment to stimulate them, like wheels for them to run on and different types of textures. And they had the same experiment run where these rats now had options, either go for water or go for the cocaine. They found none of the rats went for the cocaine. Um, and so the hypothesis is that when people are connected, when their social needs are met, when their need for connection is met, then they are much less likely to, to fall into kind of addictive behaviours, like very, very kind of negative um, self-deleterious mm -hmm. uh, behaviours. 
um, like drug addiction, for example, yeah. or alcohol addiction. Um, and and me and Darshko have this this uh, ongoing conversation about connection, and she talks about kind of connection with with um, with God, and I I talk about connection with people, <laughs> and having friends and spending time with friends. So what's your thoughts on on that? One of our basic human needs is connection. Now, I have, um, I maybe have a controversial view around this last couple of years of what's going on, and so I won't, I won't take up space on your platform about that. But what has transpired is the need for valuable connection, really valuable connection, and. I think I'm gonna I know I kind of go on to the same thing and my answer is the same because the answer is the same and that is the deepest relationship that we need to have the deepest connection we need to have is the one we have with ourselves because if you are unable to give yourself something you are unable to give it to another if you are unable to have a meaningful connection with yourself you're unable to have a meaningful connection with somebody else if you are unable to love yourself fully which is something I'm still working on I'm reading a book right now I think everybody should get this book it's called love yourself like your life depends on it everybody needs that book um but it's learning to connect with myself and when you learn to connect and love yourself you can give that to another person the reason we feel lonely is because we think our fulfillment and our wholeness comes from an external source and it does not it comes from you knowing who you are so i'm inclined to agree with darshan god on this that is the deeper connection with god because ultimately our pain whatever name and label we give that comes from the idea that we are separate from source and so good answer but Gunanak says, right, like in, in Rera Sahib, it wasn't Gunanak Bacha, but Dukhdaru Sukrogbia. I just think of all the Nanaks as the same, so I'll just call them all Gunanak. Um, but Dukhdaru Sukrogbia. Like it's in our, in our comforts and our pleasures that we forget. And, but it's in our pains that we start to seek something greater. The secret of it all is that you don't actually need to be in pain, you can just choose to seek that connection but we don't seek it until we're in pain and so the connection is within if we could practice this going within you will start to see that the discomfort any discomfort that you feel you can handle and you'll start to see why you feel a certain way when you start to get aligned you get in touch with your feelings this is the universe operates on frequencies. Our feelings are frequencies, our thoughts are frequencies. So if we learn that there's a frequency available to us that's so high and you can tap into it through feelings of gratitude, through feelings of love and kindness and all of those things for yourself first and foremost, you will see what's 
what's actually real and you won't need these external things you just won't you just won't my life has not changed a single bit since last year not even a little bit i've done everything that i've wanted to done and gone wherever i wanted not because i don't i just my joy doesn't come from the external in any way i parent myself and that's the relationship that I've developed with myself. So if you're lonely, oh my God, you're in for such an amazing ride when you get to know who you are. It's exhilarating. That, that, sounds, that sounds amazing. My question was, um, you talked about doing the, the internal work, but that, that sounds, it's not as easy as switching on the TV or going, you know, going and browsing with Netflix. So for people who are struggling to kind of sit and meditate or you mentioned things already you mentioned tools like gratitude journaling feeling love and feeling compassion and, and they're not so such like potentially laborious as sitting there and trying to you know go into down and go into focus but can you give any advice for somebody like me who struggles to sit and meditate sit and meditate yeah just just that inward Inward, inward journey in which no, you asked what the advice was and I'm like yeah sit and meditate the, rep, <laughs> okay. the reptilian brain doesn't want to do it it's like no ethikikana no please I'm really attached to my ego Kyle Cease says it like if you've ever followed Kyle Cease's work he'll tell you the mind is like in it, it will just keep on chittering it's not about we've got this idea that we need to hush the thoughts you can't hush the thoughts. You notice them and let them go. The idea is about becoming emotionally detached from them. I am the thinker of my thoughts. I am not my thoughts. And then you'll get to a point where it's like the the dial and the volume on your thoughts goes down and the volume of your higher self that's been trying to get your attention. And you know it's been trying to get your attention because it's the one that tells you to sit down. It's the one that tells you to do the things that are joyful. It's the one that tries to get your attention every time you're about to do something and you do it anyway and then you think, God damn it, I should listen to that voice. That gets turned up really loud. And so... The, the first thing I am going to say is, I, I did a blog post years ago and I called it um, Meditate to Medicate. This was right at the beginning of my journey. Meditation, it's like, so you've got, if you've got your phone and you've got a ton of different apps open, that phone starts to run really slow. And what we need to do is close down those apps. And so we close down those apps by meditating you are a walking talking electromagnetic being your laptop gets hit reset more often than you do so think about that for a moment do you see why people go through life feeling disconnected and frustrated and annoyed you don't know who you are your mind is constantly filled and full with other stuff and not for a second you stop. That was what my brother said to me in the call. When, was the, when did you ever meditate? Practice meditation. And it doesn't have to be hard. It just has to be. This is why Guru Sahib gave us a mantra. The reason we have the Vahiguru mantra and the, the, the uh, teaching to repeat it's because your mind wanders off. You'll start here and all of a sudden you've traveled to the other side of the world. And so the reason we have a mantra is to 
bring the mind back. And the reason we say it is because the mind goes that way and we say Vahe Guru and bring it back. And it goes again and you say Vahe Guru and bring it back. This, it's, what a practice to have. It, we tell ourselves it's hard before we've even sat, that, sat down. But hey, what if you sit down for a minute, put a minute timer on and say, I'm going to practice for one whole minute to bring my mind back every time it wanders. That is exhilarating. But you won't know it's exhilarating until you step into the discomfort. I, I, I use a timer technique, actually. I do put a timer on and, and, and try and do it like that. And if I do it for short bursts like that, I find like my concentration is, is good. Um, but I don't put enough time in. But yeah, for short bursts, um, you know, someone said to me, like, similar to yourself, they said, start off small and then you can build it. As you start to enjoy it, you'll want to naturally build up over time. Um, so I'm still hoping to get to that part. First, first and foremost, don't hope. No, know that you're going to do it. And secondly, bro, I've got a question for you. It's like a muscle. Faith is a muscle. This is a muscle. If I came to you, now, I, I, at 40 years old, I, I've got liquid muscle. I laugh and call it liquid muscle. I, I treated my body so badly for so long. And I sometimes get frustrated when I'm working out because I'm like, it's not happening quick enough. It's not, ah, why isn't this working rapid, smart? Why isn't it doing this? So what would your advice to me be? Yeah, I'd probably say to you that trust the process. And as long as you're doing the right stuff, the results will come. It's the same for you. It's exactly the same. It's a muscle. It's a muscle. That's all it is. It's just a muscle that you can't see. And the irony is faith and fear both require you to believe in something that you cannot see. It's very interesting. Um, okay, but yeah, I have two more questions for you. First one is... You've mentioned some books already, and um, one of them being Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On You. Are there any other books that you would recommend? Um, if you had to recommend, let's say you're gonna, someone's going to be stranded on a desert island and they could only take one or two books, what books would they be? Oh my days, that is just, have you seen, this is only a fraction of my books. You can't ask me that question, but I will give you a couple of really good ideas for books. The first one I am going to say, I've already mentioned it, is How to Do the Work by Dr. Nicole LaPera, the holistic psychologist. She has done such a great job and I would definitely recommend getting the book version versus the audio version because I find the audio version a little bit robotic. So How to Do the Work is a really great insight of doing the shadow work, because all of us have a shadow. And I think she's done such a phenomenal job at bringing it all together. Uh, I, so on my desk, I have books. I have books that I reach to all the time. The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Everybody needs this book. I've just started a book club on my uh, Facebook page where we read on a Monday and we do a little bit of a takeaway session at the end. And if you're looking for a novel, I think everybody should read The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. And uh, do you know what? I'm just going to say one more because it is on my desk. Firstly, it's not technically uh, a book, but Guru Granth Sahib Ji um, is my 
my uh, literature of choice. If I had nothing else and I had Guru Granth Sahib Ji, that's all I need. Uh, it's got everything you could want. But the one thing I've got on my desk as well is the Bhagavad Gita. Um, it, it's it's a constant. Uh, it, 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 this, this way of living is is a discipline in itself, is a practice. And I have reminders just like everybody else needs to remind me to stay on track. And the more I stay on track and the more I do this stuff, the easier it becomes. So, yep, it's uncomfortable when you begin, my friend, but when you start, it's exhilarating. And um, one more thing on that note, it reminded me of another thing from the book from last year. <laughs> you were saying that, he had he has an app which uh, shows him his streak of reading the Bible because he says that the thing that helped him most was his connection with faith, uh, his faith. So he he always he tries to read a verse from the Bible every day. And he, he says that's his that's his like is it's really helped him. So I think mm -hmm. I think reading spiritual and uh, and like lofty like that would, is is going to really help. So I think that's a, that's a different practice that we should all implement and um yeah and i was reading by reason b's book called bandagi nama oh um, he, that book i love anardash shakti those two books oh my god i forgot i could have told you them too <laughs> i haven't read anardash shakti so i'll have to put that on my on my reading list but in the book he was saying that you know we, we spend so much time on the things we spend time on but how much time do we spend on like, reading like, Gurbani or, or, you know, as, do we spend as much time as we spend like watching TV or, or reading other stuff? And it's, I, I think it's, it's minuscule the amount of time I, I spend reading Gurbani compared to the other stuff. So I think just having some kind of connection um, to, to like spiritual text, I think is really, really important and really valuable in somebody's life. Um, the last question is, if you had to give advice to somebody younger, and it was one piece of advice, and they said, can you give me, give me, share your knowledge with me, what would, one piece of advice would you, would you give? It's a very general question, so I appreciate if you want to take a minute. Be who you want to be. Stop being told who you should be and what you need to do with your life. How you feel is valid. What you feel is valid. And you, my friend, have control over how you think, how you feel, and how you act. And you can choose in any moment. And that's for teenagers and adults alike. But you, my teenage friends, I got you. I think that was very, that was very deep and also very timely. Um, message so thank you for that and and just thank you for your time i know it's i know it's late <laughs> and uh i know i'm you know impacting on your routine i know your 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 lovely dog wants this probably have <laughs> as does mine so i really appreciate you and I really appreciate your time thank you